Hey there, it's Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode four, and we're going to talk about different kinds of stress. I'm so glad that we're walking the path towards healing together. So just a quick reminder, I'm not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma support specialist with lots of lived experience with trauma. So let's dive in. So in thinking about what we've talked about so far, you know, we've discussed what trauma is and just how big of an impact it has on our entire brain and body systems. It's huge. I've also talked about toxic stress and adversity a lot. So connecting the dots logically, which can be challenging for me to do, I thought this next piece should be about different kinds of stress. Yes, there are different kinds. Stresses, their causes and effects come from many different places. So society throws us this idea that we can be stress-free if we just take a vacation or take some time off, remove ourselves from our daily grind. But does that really work? Do we just magically stop thinking about or stressing over things? Not really. There are always things going on in our minds, even on a beautiful beach in Hawaii, soaking up those ocean breezes. You know, oops, look at the time. I've got to get up, navigate my way back to the hotel, take the elevator all the way up to my floor, go to my room, shower to get all the sand off of me, get ready to go to dinner at 7 p.m., you know, things like that. Stress essentially is the way your body reacts to any threat or demand placed on it. When you experience a threat or have to deal with something, your brain prepares your body to respond by releasing hormones like adrenaline and cortisol throughout your system so you're ready for action. There are three basic kinds of stress and you'll see them listed differently. But for us, we're going to define them as beneficial, acute, and toxic. Beneficial? Are you kidding me? What kind of stress is beneficial? Well, the kind that gets us off that sandy beach into our hotel room to get ready for dinner. Beneficial stress is the kind of stress that's woven into everyone's daily lives. Beneficial stress is motivating. It gets us moving towards being productive. If it didn't, we'd never get out of bed. That stress response kicks in and we get things done. So for example, we may be faced at work with responding to an urgent email from our boss that needs a bit of sensitive composing. The brain with this kind of stress kicks in and we get a burst of adrenaline. It's stressful in the moment, but it's something we know we have the capacity to handle and deal with. We have the skill set to be able to deal with it, so we think, compose, read over it, and once it's to our satisfaction, we send it. Later, our boss comes to our desk and lets us know that they appreciated the way we responded to the email and job well done. We get a reward for how we dealt with the stressor. So our brain tucks that away for future reference. This translates stress into a reward. 
Another example might be studying for an exam for school. We might be taking classes we aren't particularly interested in with material that isn't very interesting to us, but we study, go over the material, write our papers, and do whatever we need to do. Because the reward at the end of all the studying and learning is getting good test scores. That translates into something we do want. Whatever degree, certificate, or training is at the end of all that hard work and stress. So the stress in this way makes new connections in our brains, which can boost attention, focus, and memory. It can also be good for us physically. Say you decide you want to exercise more. You commit time every day at 7 a.m. to exercise. You set your alarm clock a little earlier, get right out of bed, ugh, that takes a bit more effort, and start your new morning routine. So that mild stressor, setting your alarm earlier, getting right out of bed, and putting your plan into action takes energy, focus, and intention. You exercise and that builds your physical and mental health. You get a rush of endorphins or feel-good chemicals when you exercise. Again, you have that reward. Beneficial stress can also impact our mental health in other ways. With each stressor that we see, confront, and handle, it builds self-confidence. You feel stimulated, and it reinforces the fact that we can handle things as they come up. On to the next one, acute stress. Acute stress happens when we experience or perceive something stressful, as with all types of stress. But it's an event that we feel is more threatening to us than the examples we discussed with beneficial stress. Acute stressors happen off and on to us. They're events that occur, usually not daily. So some examples of an acute stressor might be getting cut off in traffic, being involved in an argument, being criticized, or feeling like we're being judged. An acute stressor kicks in that fight, flight, or freeze response. Remember, we're ready to either fight back, run away, or freeze in place until the threat is over. This is when the brain is in survival mode. The brain and body send all of its energy onto our basic survival functions. That thinking part of our brain shuts down. Our sympathetic nervous system takes over. Our breathing gets faster, our heart rate and blood pressure go up, our body gets tense, our body and brain are throwing up its protections. They are designed to help us succeed and survive. So, for example, you're driving on a busy highway and suddenly someone swerves right in front of you in your lane. You instantly, without conscious thought, feel that instant panic and you may hit the brakes or you may correct, like pulling into another lane in order to avoid hitting them. You might have held your breath felt your heart thump or thud in your chest, or had your whole body tense up. You might even yell out loud to the other driver or to yourself, and I do this a lot. Once you've taken action and have successfully avoided having an accident, you might take a deep breath and refocus your attention to driving. Your brain and body then begin to recognize that this immediate threat is over. The brain begins to turn off that fight, flight, or freeze mode. The brain starts to send signals and energy back to the other parts of our systems. Our thinking brain comes back online and our sympathetic nervous system stops being in charge and we get back to being balanced. 
So acute stress is an event or stressor. The body or brain goes into alert and activation, and then the threat is dealt with, and the body and brain deactivate. They go back to balance. It's uncomfortable, but it's tolerable. But what happens if that fight, flight, or freeze never shuts off? That leads us into really looking at toxic stress. Just that phrase can feel kind of scary, can't it? This kind of stress happens over time. Stressful events can come from anywhere. Remember, what we view as stressful is very personal and is shaped by our learning histories, environments, and how we see or view things. We could be in an abusive relationship, experience the death of a person close to us or someone we know. We could experience, either through ourselves or with another, serious illness. We could be involved in an accident. We could lose a job, then can't pay our bills. That may mean we can't afford housing or food. We may live in a place where we don't feel safe. Anything that makes us scared, afraid, or overwhelmed. Remember, stress is an overwhelming demand placed on the brain and body systems. Things just keep happening. Ever have that feeling like you just can't take one more thing? Me too. When we have many different kinds of stressful, scary, or awful things happen to us, over time, our brain and body are often activated and reactivated in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. With continued stresses after a while, that high alert system just doesn't shut off. Our brain floods our nervous systems and bodies with those chemicals we've talked about, like adrenaline and cortisol. Our brain and body are designed to help us survive. So if they think they're under constant threat, they're always amped up and ready for danger. This can happen long after any event is over. So think of a light switch that connects to a light bulb. If someone doesn't turn off the switch, that bulb stays on. Eventually, that light bulb burns out, right? Well, our brains don't actually completely burn out. Some things in our brains might sort of short circuit in a way or may not work as well when dealing with toxic stress. It's bad enough when this kind of repeated toxic stress happens to adults, but when it happens in childhood, it can have lifelong effects. And we will really get into this beginning with the next episode. There's a lot to talk about with that subject. So when we're on high alert for long periods of time, different things begin to happen to us physically that we may notice. We might feel exhausted or not sleep. We may get headaches. Our muscles can ache too. We might feel like we can't sit still or we may feel like we can't move at all. We can feel physically weighed down like we're walking through heavy mud. We might have stomach and other digestion issues. I can really relate to this. I developed my first ulcer at 16. We might develop high blood pressure or high blood sugar, diabetes. We can have changes in our weight, lose it or gain it. 
Toxic stress definitely takes its toll on us both mentally and emotionally. We may feel that everything is too much to handle and feel overwhelmed. We might swing quickly back and forth between one mood or another. We might get snappy and angry or have angry outbursts, even yell and scream. Or we might feel really sad, be overly sensitive and cry for any reason. We might feel anxiety, fear, and can have panic attacks. We might do things that are out of the ordinary for us, be impulsive, which can look like acting first without thinking, or maybe excessive shopping, even knowing we don't have the money in the bank to pay for things. We might abuse drugs, alcohol, even sex. We may not be able to focus or concentrate. We may have trouble remembering things. Or we might feel nothing at all. We feel numb, disconnected, not there or not present. We may do things and not remember doing them. And I'll give you a great example of that. I've had many times where I've driven, say, to work, parked my car, and realized that I had no idea how I'd gotten there. I didn't remember anything about the drive, not the traffic, the turns I took, stopping at signs or lights, nothing. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I bet lots of you have. That's pretty scary when that realization comes to you. That is disassociation, not being connected to or rooted in the present moment. So now when I drive, I actually wear a rubber band on my left wrist. When I feel I need to wake up, I gently snap the rubber band and that feeling will bring me into the moment. Disassociation is a very hard event to deal with mentally and physically. It can lead to things like self-harm behavior, which might look like self-cutting or other ways you might physically injure yourself to try and bring you back to the present moment by feeling pain. I'll admit, I've been a cutter in the past. You may also not remember parts of your life. Your brain, in an effort to protect you from traumatic memories, will intentionally bury or block things so you don't feel the mental and emotional pain. I've mentioned before that I had lots of aha moments in my 30s. This was triggered by my mother's death. During my deep grieving process, memories that I'd buried came rushing up in bits and pieces. It was like someone flipped on a switch and it was awful. I began to understand at that point just how damaged I really was and just how much had happened to me. That was the beginning of my very long journey that I'm still on at 58. I think I'll always be a work in progress. The fact that we're on this journey together now, learning, building skills, and growing with those small baby steps I'm always talking about is amazing. I love learning about trauma-informed care, which at its core is what happened to you as opposed to what's wrong with you. It's so very important that we remind ourselves that what happened to us was not our fault. Our brains lie to us and we feel guilt, shame, and blame ourselves for things. 
We also believe what others in our lives tell us. People may say, it wasn't that bad, or stop making such a big deal about it, or even, that didn't happen, you're making that up. I want you to really understand that your history, experiences, and how they affected you are real. They are valid. You get to own your experiences, feelings, and everything else that comes along with it. And it feels really, really crappy, to say the least. I also want to remind you of your safety. As trauma survivors, we want to be seen, heard, and understood. So along with that experience of ownership, we might want the people around us to understand how we feel. This is absolutely right and important, but only with safe and supportive people. If you're in an abusive relationship, it most likely isn't safe for you to express your thoughts and emotions to someone who is hurting you in any way. You know the truth in your mind. Remind yourself of that. If you need help getting to safety, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline 24 hours a day at 1-800-799-7233 for resources. You can also reach out to me at kerrywalker43 at gmail.com, Facebook, or my websites. I'll do whatever I can to help get you to safety or just listen. So I like to close with an exercise that we can add to our toolbox that we're building together. As always, you don't have to do it right now if you don't want to, but it might be helpful just to listen and tuck it away in your mind in case you need it. This exercise is called Shake It Off, and it's a somatic experiencing exercise. Somatic experiencing techniques are used to get you back in touch with your body. Dr. Peter Levine is the creator of somatic experiencing, and he has some great YouTube videos of him explaining and demonstrating different theories on trauma and techniques to help you reconnect. So how we start is find a space where you feel comfortable and safe for shaking. You can do this by either lying on the floor or standing up. Let the energy move through your body as you shake your legs and feet. Shake the energy off by shaking your arms and hands. It might be helpful to imagine that you're shaking off the sand from your body after going to the beach. Explore any other movements that you might feel that are good for your body. Come back to a resting position, sitting or lying down. Breathe slowly in through your nose with your belly pushing out to a count of five. Hold your breath for a count of one. Slowly exhale out of your mouth. Your belly should move in as you breathe out 
for a count of five. Do this five times. When you're finished, notice how you feel. Take a little personal inventory. How do you feel in your body? Are you calmer? Feeling a bit more peaceful? I hope this exercise has been helpful for you in some way. We've added another tool to our toolbox. So remember, go to this toolbox and pull out whatever you need in order to feel less anxious and supported. Remember, if you're in a mental health crisis in the United States, you can dial 988 to get resources, support, or just someone to listen to you. Thank you so much for listening today. And please keep listening. And wherever you listen, please subscribe, favorite, and rate me, comment, and download my episodes. Please let me know how you like the show, your thoughts, comments, anything that's on your mind. Your opinion really matters to me. You can find me on Facebook at Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma and on Twitter at Carrie Walker 58 and at my websites, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com and EndDVNow.com. Look for my new episodes dropping every Monday on all of your favorite podcast apps and platforms. Please take extra good care of yourself. And we'll talk soon.